1: Today on the podcast, we are talking to former Navy JAG, Paul Janoff. We're just talking here. We know some common people, but Paul has a passion for transition, passion for career progression, and was one of the first people that asked to come on the show. And for one reason or another, we're just getting around to it. So, Paul, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you, Thomas. It's an honor to have served in the Navy and the JAG Corps. And it is an absolute joy to speak to you today.
1: And, Paul, when I looked at your LinkedIn profile... It gives sort of what you've been doing the last, oh, I don't know, 30 years, or at least the last, in your case, last 15 years. But you've kind of hit almost all branches of services. So why don't you give us a little background of who Paul Janiff is and what he's done?
0: Yes. Well, I came into the Navy at the most auspicious time when the Navy was plussing up to 600 ships as it's 1980 and 81, and from, give or take, 700 JAG as to 1,100. And the opportunities to serve at four different duty stations, including the Naval Justice School, helped me make a very, very successful transition. I was at Naval Legal Service Office, Philadelphia, NATO Base Keflavik, Recruit Training Command Orlando, and Naval Air Station Alameda, where I became the labor counselor, the civilian labor counselor, and then went on to an amazing, rewarding career with the uh, Army both with the Corps of Engineers and with the Transcom, and then with the uh, Chief of Ethics and Employment Law for the Coast Guard uh, for the entire Western region. And then now, as I scale back, a bilingual human resources advisor for the John Stewart Company, the sixth largest property management company in the United States. And I'm a board member of the Coast Guard Foundation. Wow. So you keep busy. Yes, going, and I have other interests beyond that too.
1: So Paul, you, you said you had four main points you want people to know yes, as they leave the service. Turn absolutely. To, I'm going to turn this microphone over you and let you list those and explain those four points. So the stage is yours, my
0: friend. Okay, so the first point is to have confidence and know that you will be successful. And I say that because you have inquired incredibly useful and practical skills, both as a lawyer and as a leader, as you leave the military. And the second reason why you need to be confident is, of course, that will go very well when you're applying for jobs, confidence is is contagious and so is enthusiasm, is look at all of your shipmates that have gone before you and have attained unbelievable heights Professionally, you know, they are judges, they are corporate counsels, they are chief counsels for various government agencies, they are district attorneys, they are public defenders, they are in legislatures. I mean, they have done so much. And why are you any different? Why are you not going to do well when you have these skills that many of your classmates in law school, the majority don't have? You know, leadership and you've, you've been a trial attorney, you've worked with the US attorneys, you've probably sat second chair, so you must have confidence. That's reality, that's the truth. And that truth will set you free to reach those heights professionally. That's the first, the first point. The second, and this is equally critical, is you need to start preparing for your transition eight to 12 months out. Now, this is not to say you're gonna ignore your responsibilities or your duties. Yes, you're gonna do them. But you have got to major on the majors. And part of your job duties, and the Navy's the first to say this, is this transition. That's why we have the transition classes. Take full advantage of that. Get that resume going we'll talk a little bit about that in the third point but have your cover letter your resume master all the social networks you know learn that linkedin doesn't really work unless you pay and that's my experience learn usa jobs learn that there's a whole category of jobs that aren't on usa jobs learn networking don't wait you know for 3 weeks you know to get your orders and you're going to start looking for a job no it starts 8 to 12 Months out, that's the healthiest time. So and you you again, and you don't want to get caught up in the minutia and folklore of what's going on in your present job. So do your job, but with a view towards transitioning and avail yourself of every resource. That includes understanding what does the VA offer? what how do I get the GI bill? What about tricare? What about my moves? all this stuff you need to have ready for this transition. The third is, and this is just a very simple one, is get a professional resume writer. You know, you have probably not written a resume in years and you can look at books. But what I did was I went to a professional who had written hundreds and I looked at his reviews and I talked to people who had or wrote to them, you know, they know how to write a resume. We really don't. Maybe you do. I didn't. And that was critical. And I talked to people who had used this person. They said, yes, it was, he was amazing. And he was. And then practice your interview skills. Practice. Read books on, inter- on how to interview. You will make the impression within five minutes. I've probably been through 25 to 30 interviews since I left the service. And I've fallen over my face a couple of times. And I've, I've hit a home run, hit a grand slam. And it was by learning. And I wish I had practiced more. The final point is the most critical. And I want to take a little time on this. Reach out to us. Reach out to those who have gone before you and we will help you. Anytime you can call me, you can email me. And I and I'm only an expert because of the mistakes I have made. <laughs> but there is a legion, there is a legion of, of jags that, that, that did not exist. When I left the service, what I would have done to have been able to reach out to people. But now we're all just a LinkedIn click of the mouse away. And we can really give you some great guidance. Not only guidance, we might know of jobs that are available. And just as an alibi, we used to use that expression in the Coast Guard, as an alibi, right now, is if you're a lawyer and you're getting out, and especially if you wanna go into public service, the fields are ripe. You will not believe the number of jobs there are right now. For experienced attorneys, especially in the public sector, and don't take my word for it, go on USA Jobs, go on LinkedIn. Look at your bar journal, especially in states like Florida and Arizona and New Mexico, where they, they need people in public service, probably need them all over. So it is a great time to get out if you're getting out. Yes, it's going to be even, it's going to be stressful. Factor that in. But reach out to us because we will help you reduce that stress.
1: Paul, I just I want to now just follow up with some points that you make. And let's start with that last one, the reach out, the networking part. Before I started to really pay attention to my transition out of the Navy and into whatever's going to come next, you know, you always think in your head there's going to be a magical time to start that networking process. Oh, you don't want to start too far out. I'll call Paul when I'm closer to pulling that ejection handle and going over the side for the final time. And we have, I think, for some reason, we talked to hundreds of people in our jobs over time, over a career, maybe thousands. But yet when it comes time to reaching out to Paul Janf over here and to this person who's a US attorney, or this person over here, we don't know. We're kind of hesitant because they are a stranger. And, you know, I have found. And others have told you that they always they are so impressed with the willingness of retired and former military to give you 15, 30, 45 minutes to talk about that. So I just want to kind of beat the drum on that. And that's what we're doing right now. And this platform is to give people the opportunity to learn people like you to reach out to you if that's in fact what they want to do or figure out how you did it to follow in the footsteps. On yes, the US, we
0: are not strangers. Yes. We are shipmates. We will always be shipmates. And I care deeply. And I can say this because I have taught the transition assistance program for over 20 years or whenever it started. So it is not just by word that I'm saying it it is by deed. I have been a part of the class. I've done it on an informal level. So, you know, I consider everyone out there shipmates and I want to help.
1: Let's go to the the, the confidence thing because I think that's something that a lot of us struggle with is whether we've stayed five years or 20 years, we've done a lot of great things and we don't we don't understand the value of it. We don't appreciate because we're among a tribe of people who think and act and do like us. So we don't see anything extraordinary about it. Can you talk a little bit about what you've seen between people that have served and people that not have served? What is the tangible difference, if you will, between them?
0: The answer is very simple. The answer is leadership. What you have gotten is that in the military, and probably a great trial lawyer too, but I have found that as I applied, especially in public service jobs, I was always one of the finalists for an interview, almost in every case, whether it was the IRS whether it was the coast guard whether it was office of general counsel whether it was the philadelphia district attorney's office what i brought was leadership now now that's that's a big word but that means that i was always prepared i was a good listener i led by example and the the astute hires the astute agencies they know that and that's what i brought and the confidence or the lack is because it's getting out is unknown so you don't know what's out there you, have, you know, you've been in the same place for 20 or doing the same thing for 20 25 years with the same people you know what's out there so that's stressful by itself but when you realize that what you're bringing to the table and what you will offer agencies and what others who have gone before you have done have accomplished that's where your confidence steps up because you have done great and glorious things i'm 66 years old and have had an amazing career Because of what I obtained in the Navy. I was chief of employment and ethics for the whole Western area of the United States Coast Guard for 12 years. I was an assistant district counsel for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and a deputy uh, SJA as a civilian for the transcom, the Oakland Army base. So, you know, my track record speaks for itself and I'm just one of hundreds.
1: On the resume... People on this podcast have said, hey, don't overthink the resume, for example. You hear conflicting advice on resumes in a number of ways, starting with using a professional versus you know your job best and what you did. Do you think there's a difference now that we have so many resources available to us at a fingertip that people can do this? or Does that just come back to a confidence issue of being able to explain what you did?
0: I think it's exactly that, Tom. It's a confidence issue. And you are stepping out in the unknown when you're doing your own resume. But when you go to a professional, and I respect people who do their own, but Mm -hmm. when you go to a professional who has a proven track record, when there are 200 Yelp reviews who say that this guy... You said either uh, if you have
1: the confidence to write your own, that's great. But... A professional resume writer offers
0: a different skill set and ability, I think we were talking about. Yes. I am not a resume writer. He is or she is. And they can impart confidence too. They're part of the confidence. I decided, uh, the person who I chose, I looked at his reviews. And there were so many that said, you know, it made the difference. Right. So I'm all for, and that's one less thing you have to worry about. You, and then you can edit it. You know, you give it back to the person. So I am 100% for a professional resume writer. And it worked for me. <laughs> I, and I respect those who can do it on their own. I couldn't. The networking piece, you know,
1: you said uh, start preparing eight to 12 months out. And I wrote down the notes there, but the networking piece, I mean, you must have seen a tremendous change in the way we do networking since the time you left between, you know, then and now.
0: Exactly. It was, the way it changed was it was faceless. It's not at bar association meetings or conventions like I did. I went to the Florida Bar Association annual convention in Florida in Orlando in 1988, where I was just shaking hands. Now it's all done through emails and messages and very informal texts and and uh, that's how it works, but it works very, very well because it gives you a worldwide reach and it's very extremely effective. But the exiting, the transitioning service member must take that first step and not be afraid. You know, yeah. you find me on LinkedIn, don't be formal, don't stand on formality, send me a, you know, just a quick text, can, can we talk tomorrow? Yes, I'm available.
1: You know, you've done a variety of skills, and one of the things that I, you know, I'm dealing with, and other people deal with, is well, what do you want to do? And you know, we tend to get we tend to get like, well, nothing's going to compare to serving on an aircraft carrier and the great people that we met. So, you know, you have to put it in a basket. And you know, someone explained to me as an SJA, you've or what we've done in a service, compliance is an easy field to get into. Now, we know about federal ethics, and we know about the the compliance programs and corporations, but why is it that you focused on ethics and
0: compliance? I focused on it because it was new. And the joint ethics regulation was new. It was 1993, 1994. And there were no subject matter experts. Even the chief ethics counsel for the army was learning. And so I thought I could be a pioneer. And it's it's an extremely useful skill. Remember, everybody in the federal service is bound by these rules. And so if you could understand them, learn how to apply them, learn how to write an ethics opinion, you had a skill that went anywhere in the federal government. And I realized this was, in, and it was the same thing, Tom, with labor law. Because remember, the Coast Guard has more civilians than it has military. Sure. The Navy has more civilians, easily, than it does military. You know, if you include all the vendors and contractors, what better field to enter into? And with especially with all the the LGBT issues, age issues, ADA issues, civilian personnel law was a, a field. And it's fascinating, too. I enjoyed it and got pretty good at it, too. I got my butt kicked several times, but then I started winning cases. And and there's a case called the U.S. versus Diaz versus Department of the Army, which has been cited over 100 times, a 1993 case. That was my case. And it's been cited at conventions and uh, it it deals with uh, charges and specifications. Don't need to get into that. But these were two fields that were immediately practical, Mm -hmm. that where I could apply those skills as a military member and when I got out. And I did. You know, this okay. isn't like I'm looking forward. I did all that. Paul, what about you talked about
1: USA Jobs and someone said to me that when it comes to attorney jobs, there's a, a fair amount of federal attorney jobs that are accepted service. So they never, ever make
0: it to USA Jobs. What has your, been your experience on that front? I agree with that completely. There's I call it the sub Rosa world of jobs, which you discover through networking but that said you never have to go there because there are the other jobs are are really i wouldn't want to say desperate for people but they really need people so if you have a strong resume and great credentials you're going to percolate up to the top of the applicant pool you will there's so many jobs especially now like in germany where we're 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 building back up so if you want to go to germany they're going to need civilian lawyers
1: I spent three years in Germany, so I was at Garmisch. So I got the I got to know the ski slopes pretty well. So, but Paul, let me ask you this: What is the shortest length of time you've done at a job, post service wise?
0: The shortest length was four months as a uh, an assistant district attorney in Philadelphia, and the only reason that I left was because I was offered a, uh, I wanted to get into federal service. And I wanted to come back to California. I loved being an assistant district attorney. I loved the judges. I may really mean, it. I, I like the public defenders and my coworkers Remember, there's no billable hours. You know, it was great. It was in Philadelphia at city hall, but I really missed California and I wanted to come back and get into federal service. So that's why I left that that job. How,
1: how hard was well, it for you to inform them that you were
0: leaving? It was very easy actually. It was easy because they, they, my boss understood, you know, she said, you know, she understood California and its allure. Of course I I arrived. And two days later we had the Loma Prieta earthquake. So there was, uh, I missed my, my coworkers because when you were working for the, Really, the public good. I used to say, "You're doing the king's business as a district attorney, as assistant attorney in Philadelphia." You know, there's a, an, a sense of collegiality, and there were so many ex-JAGs in the in the uh, in, in the in the office. There were so many ex-military. Ron Castile was uh, army veteran, and you're not dealing with billable hours. It, it was it was a great, great place, but man, to come back to the Bay Area was the opportunity of a lifetime, which I could not turn down.
1: No, it sounds not. Sounds like it. I mean, you know, telling us that you've been Sicily and and where else you said Alameda, every base you went to closed down. Philadelphia, sort of like me with schools. Most of my schools, except my law school, have closed or changed names since I left. So maybe you and I are uh, should stay away from folks if they want if they want their school and their base <laughs> to stay open. What other suggestions or tips do you have? Because you've seen a lot. You have seen a total transformation of the way you look for work and of the way you network and of the way we interview and I and I got it you've stayed in the government sector after you know just a brief stint out with not the federal government but state government what other things should we be thinking about as we approach
0: retirement or separation from the service that's a great question tom and i think you have to look at your life outside of the law what is important to you you know, this is why I chose public service or is there going to be time for for hobbies, for your family, for volunteer work? If you maybe you're a person of faith, your church, your synagogue or whatever, just your health in general, the law right now in the private sector. You, and don't take my word for it. If you look, at the ABA study on mental health of lawyers, we're in the red zone where lawyers now have the highest suicide rate of any profession. The highest alcohol rate, highest substance abuse rate of any profession. This is the ABA statistics. So, when you leave, when you're leaving, you're going to say, not just what is my life as a lawyer going to be, but what is my life, including the law, going to look like? And, you know, yes, I had enormous responsibilities, especially when I was working for the Corps of Engineers and we were dealing with millions and millions of dollars of civil works and contractors that ran off the rails. But you know what? At Friday at 4.30, I went home and I came back on Monday. So you have to take into account your health, mental and physical, your interests, your service to the community, because I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent that we're here to give back. And if you're in a job where you have to build 2,100 hours, or 2,000 hours, there's not gonna be a lot of room for that. And JAGS may, might see the allure of a law firm and then not realize. I'll tell you very, a very quick anecdote. I had a friend from the Coast Guard and he got out and he went to a law firm and he imploded literally after six months, he couldn't do the billables. And so they kept him on as of counsel because he just he just could not do the billable hour track. And he had three children, and it was, as I said, he just imploded. He he couldn't do it. And that's what I mean by that. So that's something that you have to consider. You know, factor that in. What is your life going to look like after you leave the military?
1: Well, Paul, you've given a lot to think about. And it's, you know, I've been dealing mostly or talking mostly with people who have got out in the last five to 10 years, but it's really good to have someone who. I mean, you would probably say it was the the, the prehistoric age or at least the pre-internet age of trying to find work. And we have I do think we have to recognize that we have it much easier now to connect with former Jags, whether it's Facebook or or LinkedIn. You know, you remember when you first got these accounts, you're like, oh, hey, wow, I haven't thought of that person in years or to be able to find Attorneys from that served Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, the Marine Corps, and not yet, but someday, the Space Force, to be able to find somebody that works at that company or that entity you're looking at, and just sending them the email. So we really do have a lot of tools at our hand, and a lot of the things that you've said, I I will tell you, it it resonates with me. I can trace this podcast to having a lack of confidence, and building confidence because we just don't know. And talking to people who have gone through this process, have gone through the career progression and the career transition, it's invaluable to us to have people to say, this was my experience, and oh, you can find me on LinkedIn, send a message. So I want to say thank you on not only behalf of myself, but, anybody else who might benefit from this conversation, so thank you very much,
0: yes, Tom. And I always say that if I'm available anytime I'm on LinkedIn and if I can do it, you can do it, and you can do it better. And, you know, I, and I am here to help. My door is open for anyone who wants to. Uh, speak, and I will say this in closing, that when you reach out to people, you will find that most of the time, they're not going to give you informational interviews. What they're going to say is, there's going to be an opening in my office. Yeah, Because Open. as we said before, because one third of the federal attorneys right now are retirement eligible. Great things await you. Great and glorious things await for you. A bright future. Don't doubt it for one nanosecond.
1: And as we look ahead, this interview will be the 52nd. That means one year of conversations. This is getting released on December 31st. So with that resounding and positive message for the new year, I'm going to stop this recording. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe and tell your friends. After the JAG Corps is a TJW 50 Associates LLC production.